It's sundown in the west of Middle-earth. Glints of orange and pink tinkle on the water as I peruse from my windy perch on the Bywater Bridge. The lengthening shadows disappear into the dark of night, lanterns are lit, and the emerald hills of the land of the halflings darken to a green like pine trees. Overlooking it all like some pair of lords beaming down on their subjects are the party tree and the hill. The inhabitants seem used to it. The daily beauty of dusk a mere backdrop to their farming and drinking and eating and singing. Most call it a day and go home to their families. The rest make for the ivy bush, and suddenly, I'm in need of a drink. This is Hobbiton, and you are listening to Lotro Beneath Your Feet. This is the song I sing for you, humble man of the country who... Some wood to warm my bones When all in my life had grown cold You who gave me some fire when Decent ladies and countrymen All of the well-intentioned folks Had slammed the door shut in my nose Hobbiton is the biggest little village in Middle-earth. If Mickledelving is the principal township of the Shire, the brains perhaps, then Hobbiton is its heart both here in Middle-earth and out in the primary world. This is inescapable right from the get-go. The name Hobbiton is, of course, short for Hobbitown, the town of hobbits. We know it as the home of Bilbo Baggins, and later Frodo Baggins, and later still, that of the Sackville Bagginses and their deranged son Lotho, as his base of operations for scouring the Little Land. Right now, I'm having a seat at some picnic table, watching the village of Hobbiton wake up. It is a farming community, like most of the Shire, with the central village downtown, if I dare call it that, sidled by farmland on either side of the water, and of course, the Great Road passing to its south. The village proper is made up of smeals, hobbit holes, wooden houses, and public buildings like the ivy bush. Now how about that drink I talked about before? Good day. How may I help you? Inside the ivy bush is what you'd expect. Lots of wood, a few tables here and there, and lots and lots of beer. It's simply a watering hole for the farmers of the community. You don't really need more than that unless, as I imagine, there is some competition between the ivy bush and the green dragon down the road in Bywater. In which case, I might recommend a little touching up. There's no real record of when the ivy bush, or the town of Hobbiton for that matter, was officially founded. The little folks seem preoccupied with their family histories and little else, preferring to keep things insular rather than provide a record for the rest of us so that we can implant them alongside the affairs of the rest of the world. Suffice it to say that Hobbiton sprung up some time after Marcho and Blanco took over this land as the hobbits spread themselves from the Brandywine Bridge westward towards the Tower Hills. Prior to the coming of the hobbits, the Shire was obviously farmland and vineyards dedicated to use for the lords of the North Kingdom of Arnor. The Shire had been given to the hobbits after the ceaseless civil wars in the kingdom of Arnor had caused those lands to become deserted. King Argaleb II of Arthdyne gave the rights of the land to the hobbits in 1601 of the Third Age. But the rise and fall of Arnor and subsequent opening of the Shire for the little folk is a tale for another day. Outside, in Hobbiton proper, beyond Hobbit women trying to get me to recover their pies, past the postman in dire need of a delivery, away from lazy hobbits enjoying the spring day, even past a rather bored-looking sheriff is the bridge and the mill. 
Further on is my ultimate destination, the hill. The hill overlooks the many farms of Hobbiton, necessitated by the rich soil of the water. River valleys are always the site of great settlements. From the Mesopotamians to the Gondorians, you have to have fertile soil to grow the grains you need. You need grain to make beer, beer to drink while you smoke your pipe, and so civilization progresses, right? But Hobbiton is no great civilization. It is a quiet farming village made bigger by its housing the greatest Hobbit adventurers ever known. In the films and games, Hobbiton is portrayed as being quite larger than it actually was. In fact, Hobbiton was so small that it had no inn to call its own. The ivy bush was actually along the Bywater Road, closer to the town of Bywater itself. Besides its name, Hobbiton was one of the only settlements in Middle-earth properly illustrated by Tolkien himself. So we have a greater idea of what it looked like, and thanks to some passages in The Lord of the Rings, we have a greater idea of who lived there. And right smack in the foreground of Tolkien's illustration of Hobbiton is the mill. Second to the Hobbiton Hill, Sandyman's Mill is the most iconic artifice in town. Erected to crush corn and maybe whatever other grains needed crushing, we know that eventually it will be torn down and rebuilt, and torn down again during the events of the scouring. In the meantime, though, it's really just a nice-looking building run by a rather nasty hobbit, Ted Sandyman. The hobbit-sized feud that takes place between the Gamgees and the Sandymans, or more particularly Samwise and Ted, is fairly well documented. They kind of represent the polar opposite sides of hobbit nature. One is an unshakably loyal, ineffable companion and servant dedicated to land and family. The other is snarky and biting at power as soon as chance permits. Accompanying the mill is the Grange, three lofty silos where grains from the mill are stored for communal use and will soon be turned into cakes, pies, and beer. But I'm not here to trifle with mills and granges. Let's get up that hill. The Hill of Hobbiton, simply named in solid Hobbit fashion, overlooks the Valley of the Water, in which most of Hobbiton dwells and is the main point of action in The Hobbit and both the beginning and the end of The Lord of the Rings. In The Lord of the Rings Online, it is the site of many events and has been faithfully reconstructed for our own exploration. Besides that whole cellar thing. Further up the hill from the Grange is Bagshot Row, the home of those most famousest of Hobbit gardeners, the Gamgees. The Gamgees go with the Bagginses like the servants of some great and noble Victorian royalty. The Gaffer served as Bilbo's gardener, learning his trade with Old Holman before him, and Sam as Frodo's. In addition to that, they remained staunch defenders of the Bachelors of Bag End when their ways seemed to go cracked. First Bilbo, and then Frodo. Further on up the hill, bypassing the gate lies the Party Tree, a massive oak tree still decorated with lively streamers and shading a small performance stage. Tents are still up, and there seems to be hobbits still working to clean up some mess or other. The massive outdoor kitchen built for Bilbo's party remains intact. I pay my respects, giving a moment of silence for the fate that will inevitably fall the great party tree. Finally cresting the hill is Bag End. At this point in The Lord of the Rings Online, Lobelia Sackville Baggins is still its mean and meddling proprietor. Its gardens are in grand shape, no doubt maintained by the gaffer. By her leave, I pull up a seat and have a look at Hobbiton as a whole one more time. If there is a finer view of Hobbiton, the water, and the hills of Tuckborough beyond, I haven't found it. Sitting on the lawn overlooking the party fields, the tree, the grange, and the perfect rolling hills of the Shire, you start to figure out why Bilbo maybe wasn't so keen on chasing down dragons and giving up his paradisical home. In medieval times, here in the primary world, a castle would rest on such a hill as this and look out on the feudal manor over which it ruled. Inside was a lord, with him his knights in court, below the farmers and artisans going about their daily lives. 
It's an interesting thought, then, that Bilbo and the Bagginses were kingly, as far as hobbits go, not by political rule or power, but by wealth, fame, and influence. It's a fitting metaphor for the hobbits. Even if they had a king, he would be kind, minding his own affairs while the little folk live their lives in peace and steady quiet. So I'm sticking to my theory that Hobbiton is the heart of the Shire. More than that, it is the image embedded in our minds as to what the Shire is. Our imaginings of the book agree with the opening scenes of the film. Green, lots of green, disrupted only by the beautiful river they call the water, and the prancing of hobbit children, and the kindly old farms, homes, and inns. It's a place of peace and modest prosperity, rimmed by danger and looming shadows, but resolved to stay unaffected by them. This is the song I sing for you Humble man of the country who Gave me some wood to warm my bones When all in my life had grown cold You who gave me some fire when Decent ladies and countrymen All of the well-intentioned folks Had slammed the door shut in my nose It may have been just a small fire, but still it warmed me to my core, and it burns in me evermore. So this is episode one of Beneath Your Feet. I'd like to thank Al Bros of the Lotro cast and American Golden Star of A Casual Stroll to Mordor for the mentions on their shows. I'd also like to thank all the well-wishers who commented on the blog and on MyMiddleEarth.net, as well as everyone else who gave the pilot a listen. Without further fanfare, I'm happy to announce that Stephen Fry of Enladris Server is the winner of the screenshot contest. His screenshot of Hobbiton is featured in the show notes for this episode, and he is taking home a Turbine Points card worth 1,600 points. Handy for the new expansion that's coming out, I think. In two weeks' time, episode two will be released. Beneath my feet next time will be Arid Lewin, so get to taking those screenshots and send all of them, along with anything else you've got on Arid Lewin, to shipwreck at lotrobeneathyourfeet.com. Thank you all again for listening. Be sure to check out the blog at www.lotrobeneathyourfeet.com and tune in two weeks from now when I will be exploring Arid Lewin, the Blue Mountains. We'll see you next time on Beneath Your Feet.